Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. Our first lesson today is Psalm 23. Encourage you to read along. We read it or heard it earlier, read it earlier together as part of our prayer. But listen once again to the Word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, where Jesus is instructing the disciples and those who follow him. And he shares this, these words and picks up and illuminates the image of the Lord as our shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this is the reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the last several Sundays, we have been considering prayer. We, have, we hear very frequently requests to pray from friends, from here in the church, in this time of trouble and travail in our nation and in the world, we often hear public leaders in one form or another ask for prayers for particular situations or circumstances. We need to think about how we pray, and we need to talk about how we pray, and we need to look at examples of prayer. Of course, the Lord's Prayer is a great example, and we began with that. 
But there also is the serenity prayer and the prayer of St. Francis, which are ways of helping us to think and talk and move toward prayer. And today, we'll be thinking and talking about the 23rd Psalm as prayer. And in addition, the image of the Lord as our shepherd and what that means. The Lord is my shepherd, the psalmist begins, and Jesus' words in John 10, I am the good shepherd, echo that image. O Father, who art in heaven, God, grant me. Lord, make me an instrument. Each time we pray, we call upon God. We speak out and, and reach out to God. We ask God to provide for us, to give us the things that, that are necessary for us to make it through this particular time in our life. The 23rd Psalm in this John passage of the Good Shepherd make us aware that our calls to God are based on trust. In fact, you could say that it's all about trust. Faith comes from the trust that we share. We believe because we trust. Sam Wells is a, a priest in the Church of England, and he recently wrote an article in which he talks about how sometimes we get it wrong with our relationship with God. He had been approached by a woman who had a question she wanted to ask him, but she wasn't sure how to ask him. And there was a lot of hesitation and tentativeness in her approach. And so they made an appointment for lunch, and they went and had lunch, but her question did not come, and she approached him again, and so they went again for a second lunch. And there in the middle of the lunch, it burst out, she asked, do you believe the Archbishop of Canterbury was correct when he told Princess Margaret that she should not marry Group Captain Peter Townsend? You may, may, not, may know that backstory, or you may not. Peter Townsend was um, an officer in, in the British uh, military, and in the 1950s, he and Princess Margaret were having a relationship. They, they were, there was talk they would get married, but the captain was divorced. And so she asked the council of those people around her, including the Archbishop of Canterbury, should I marry this man who is divorced? And the Archbishop's advice to her was, no, do not. And here she was, here, this conversation between Sam Wells and this woman 60-plus years later, and the question that she has about the church is based on events that happened that long ago. We do hold on to those questions, those situations where trust is challenged in our lives, and we, we have questions that are seemingly unresolved as we move forward. A long time ago, when I was a boy at summer camp, two cabins were having a variety of interactions, and it escalated to the point of a water balloon and shaving cream war, as happens in camp sometimes. And 
there was fun for a while, but after a while it got old because it kept going on and on and on. And one night after this had gone on for a while, the, one of the counselors came over, the counselor from the other cabin came over to the cabin that I was in, and he said, let's have a truce. And he laid out this ground rules for what would happen. And so my cabin was to meet up with the other cabin and we were to bury the hatchet. We were to make our peace. But when we came together, what happened was the other cabin had brought their water balloons and more shaving cream and they began to assault us again. As I looked over at the camp counselor who had brokered this arrangement, all I could see was a smile. But I felt like he had abused his trust. He was the counselor after all. He was the one who had arranged this and he had told us that there would be an end to these hijinks as it were and it was time for us to put it, put it away. How could somebody who was in a position of leadership and trust completely go against that? How could he let those who trusted him down? And besides all of that, he drove a really cool Morgan sports car. How could anybody who did that Anyway, ah, it was awful. I was absolutely mad, lividly mad, in the way that a young boy can be, and upset. Yes, it was a game. Yes, it was a game. But aren't there rules in games? Aren't there rules? I soon realized that this counselor was really just a jerk. I've not seen him in all that time since, and so I have no idea if he still is or not, but I hope and I pray that he isn't, and I hope and I pray that maybe some of my own jerkiness in the same time has gone away as well. Maybe you've been in a similar situation. Someone that you had a trust in, that you placed your trust in at some point in your life, did something that in a split second completely undergirded the relationship that you had. It is easy to feel self-justified, as I did when I was that mad young boy. It is easy to be self-justified. It is easy to satisfy ourselves that we were wronged. I could go on a rant about how any number of leaders, be they camp counselors or, oh, maybe presidential candidates, across the board, there is no spectrum that is labeled there, but across the board in this day and, day and time are acting pretty much like jerks all the way on any sort of number of issues. There's a lot of material to draw on there. But I realize that there have been times when my own judgment has not been so good. There have been times when I thought I said something that was funny, but in reality it was just plain mean. There have been times when I have had authority in the situation and I did not use it for the best of the people who were involved. 
The problem with telling personal stories in a sermon like this is that it can take me to places that I don't want to go, and you may not want to go there either. I'm aware of that. But there is some value in learning where we don't want to go and what we don't want to do and face. When we are honest with ourselves, I would challenge you, when you and I are honest with ourselves, there are times when we may have said something or promised something and the opposite result happened. Maybe happenstance was the reason. Maybe we were just used. Maybe that camp counselor really did intend and think that his, his cabin would comply with this request. I don't know. And then there are other times when we just do things that are not very good, ugly and mean and horrible, and we destroy the trust that other people have in us. Who do you trust? In this life, who are the people that you place your trust in? How we trust each other teaches us how to trust in the world, and it, trusting God is part of the, or is part of, of the things that happen in that. When we do things with each other that breaks trust, then trust can be destroyed, and it's not one of those things that can easily be repaired. The 23rd Psalm starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. These are positions of trust. The shepherd is a position of trust. The, animal, the animals in the shepherd's care rely on the shepherd for protection, for guidance, for life. But the shepherd's vocation is not simply to take care of the animals. It is also to provide for the community around them. The shepherd is to care for those people for, who, who need the wool of the sheep and the, the milk of the goat and the meat that those animals produce. The shepherd has not only care for the animals, but care for the larger community as well. To recall this image that the Lord is our shepherd is to hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. And it opens us up to the claim that the good shepherd helps provide structure and order and well-being in the world. Our faith helps us see that God works in this difficult and challenging world where sometimes someone or something beyond our own capacities challenges us. And the Lord, as our shepherd, helps guide us through those very, very difficult times. We trust the shepherd because we know the shepherd's voice and the shepherd knows who we are. But there are, as John's gospel says, there are wolves out there, people who, have our, who don't have our best interest at heart, who don't have the flock's interest in heart. There are folks who dislike and even hate Christians around the world simply because we profess faith in Jesus Christ. The recent murder of the Catholic people Roman Catholic priest in France, and other attacks on churches by adherents of Islam 
are examples that come to mind. And we need to take that seriously. And we need to find ways to respond appropriately and to deal with that struggle. At the same time, we as Christians know that not all Christians like each other. We don't all get along. Some Christians think they have the right answers and uh, that other Christians are wrong. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about issues that divide us. And we shouldn't strive to understand in the best way possible. But we do need to not embrace violence as the means of, as a means of, of, of resolving our conflicts. For there are Christians in this day and time who say they are out to exact God's retribution on the world. The Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas comes to mind. They have protested at the deaths of soldiers, the funerals of soldiers, and, and the victims for natural disasters. And even recently, they protested at the funeral and funerals and memorial services for those killed in the Orlando uh, violence earlier this summer. They do this because they understand, they base their understanding of God not in love but in hate, and they seek to exact retribution. The shepherd of Psalm 23 leads us through our struggle with adherents of Islam as well as other Christians who have understandings that wreak violence on the world. The Lord as our shepherd is a way of seeking to guide ourselves through those very difficult and awful times. As I have stood by when families have a loved one who is dying, and, and even in my own family when I, I have seen this, when my father was dying, I have wondered if there might be things in the world that are worse than death. We have a cultural fixation, it seems, right now with zombies, those people who are the living dead. And I wonder if that's some sort of metaphor or, or symbol. Um, we go through any number of valleys where we are threatened by very dark things. Our bodies fail for sure, and we face certain human death. But also there is the death of the emotions and the death of the spirit and a death of faith. These things are awful and difficult and they are dark times as well. The scripture readings do not justify violence and murder against those people that disagree with us. That does not flow from the voice of the good shepherd who speaks to the flock and as we respond. How do then we hear this voice of the shepherd? Of course, here in Columbus, we don't see sheep roaming down First Avenue or up Veterans Parkway. I have heard occasionally there are some enterprising souls who bring a herd of goats to their yard so that they can chew the grass and the weeds so they don't have to mow the grass quite so often, but they are extremely rare. And we don't have a lot of, you know, shepherds that we, that we may know personally. 
Sometimes the shepherd, though, is in front of us charting the way and, and, and leading us. And sometimes the shepherd is behind us, hurting us with different calls. There are different times and spaces as those functions change. But as the shepherd does that, where we hear the voice, the shepherd leads us. But where? Where does the shepherd lead us? In both Psalms and in John, I, I would say the shepherd leads us to a place of hospitality. The Lord is not only a shepherd, but the Lord is a host. The Lord provides deliverance from disease and a place of, and order in the world. The Lord, as shepherd, work, helps us work through those places where relationships are destroyed so that maybe one day they can be restored. You go to prepare a place for me. In the presence of mine enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for as long as I can imagine. For my whole life long, or even for my whole, for, for eternity. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. The good shepherd has the desire to bring this flock together, to call us out. And in John's gospel, it says, the good shepherd acknowledges there are some other people of the flock who are not here, but I will call out to them as well and to bring them all together. This place of hospitality, this place of grace, this place of goodness that is beyond our capacity to imagine and to see what it's like. When I was in high school, one of my grandmothers was going to visit a niece that she had. My grandmother was well into her 80s, and her niece was not much young, was, was a little bit younger, but not much. She was going to ride the train. My grandmother was going to ride the train because the way schedules ran, we couldn't, uh, no one in the family could drive her. And it was at the time when laws for public accommodations had not been had been changed, but what was fairly recent. My parents took my grandmother to the train station. And it was one of those early 20th century train stations with very high ceilings and ceiling fans and terrazzo floors and the, the benches that were very high, stark and, and hard. And there was a, a doorway that you passed through to go up a set of concrete stairs to the train platform. After we arrived at the train station and had gotten my grandmother's luggage, she walked right up to the ticket window and she bought her ticket. In doing so, she went by a long line of folks and she did not even acknowledge that they were there. She did not seem to notice that they had been standing in line, obviously for some minutes before my grandmother just walked through the door and walked up to the to the ticket window. My grandmother was a very polite person. She was of that school of thought that said, if you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything at all. And there were some times when conversation was awfully hard. 
she was not rude. I, I don't ever recall her being rude, except in this occasion. And she did it without thinking. She did it because in her world and in her mind, she was entitled to do it. All the people in that line were African-Americans, and she walked right by them without even realizing that they were there. She walked to the front of the line, and no one challenged her. My father did not. I did not. No one in line did. The ticket agent did. She understood that it was her privilege to go to the front of the line. Several years later, after her death, we were reflecting and telling the story. We were laughing because, well, you laugh when you don't want to cry. And my father said something like this. He said, I guess mama's going to be surprised, or I guess mama was surprised when she got to heaven at where she was going to have to stand in line. When we call upon the Lord as our shepherd, when we remember the voice of the good shepherd, we are asking to be guided through difficult places and difficult times. We are asking for protection from all sorts of wolves out there. We call out to God in these times to take us and provide a place of safety and hospitality for us. And we trust that the Lord will provide this. All too often, though, we take this privilege, this wonder, and we construct a world that denies others who are seeking the same power of God's grace, who, who are seeking that, the very things that we take for granted. Please pray with me. Abba, grant us wisdom. Make us instruments for you. And as you receive us, let us not forget to share your bounty with those with whom we walk. Provide your hospitality. Show us how to transform the world and to respond in the ways that are good with trust in you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.